Welcome back to the Ice Coffee Hour. My name is Houston. So far, the podcast has made $354,000. Almost. Wow, not bad. <laughs> Good if, guess. If we, if we divide that by two, uh, then you would have been right. Really? 153000 ad revenue. Not bad. Yeah. For 70 weeks. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Uh, Jack counts down to the, you count down to the weeks. I, I feel like that's more. That's you know, more appropriate. I think, yeah. Seventy yeah. weeks. Seventy weeks. Yeah. Like a year and a half. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, but anyway. I mean, if you break it down weekly revenue, right? Which I guess is so. Pretty much the way to do it. It's easier to multiply. So the next person on the uh, podcast can just add like ten thousand dollars. This is true. And then they might that's be right. smart. So every week you just add ten thousand and you're doing good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This is something I've been really interested in talking to you about because you have, uh, first of all, a very unique YouTube channel where you rent out some of the world's most expensive cars, and people will either wreck them or yeah. you wind up making a lot of money from renting these cars on a daily basis, sometimes hourly basis. How many cars do you have at this point that you rent out? You know, that changes so much because cars are coming and going, but I typically keep between 50 and 80 cars. And that's a collection of exotic cars, hyper cars, sports cars, SUVs, luxury cars, and then, you know, you have the auto cycles. So everything combined between 50 and 80. And it's kind of seasonal, mm -hmm. right? You don't want to have 100 auto cycles in December when it's a little too cold. And then you don't want to have 100 in the summer when it's 200 degrees outside. So uh, it fluctuates quite a bit. But the YouTube channel is predominantly now, I mean, it's kind of overrun by all the bad. There, in the beginning, I made oh, the YouTube no. channel and I was like so excited. I would go and film all the times I'd buy a new car and, you know, save up the money and, and build my business. Yeah. And now it's just turned into all the bad things that are happening. So Give every us an time, example of that. Well, like what what stands out the last uh, six months? So I'll I'll actually give you like a little sneak peek. These videos aren't out yet, but uh, I can now talk about them. Um, we were the first company in the entire world to have a Huracan STO for rent, and the third or fourth renter drove a little bit too aggressive next to a construction site and jumped off the side of the road. The car was essentially totaled all the body panels. There was like a couple hundred grand in damage. So the insurance company accepts liability, takes about six months. Yeah. We go, we take it, we get it fixed. Uh, one of my employees picked it up about three weeks ago and drove out of the body shop, wore a woman with $20,000 worth of insurance policy, hit the front end no. one minute after getting this thing fixed. Are you serious? And basically totaled it again. <laughs> So, this might be, I hate to interrupt. Did he not see this this lady come? Was he making no, right a right-hand turn? Uh, like, he was at a stoplight. Yeah. And the light had turned green. He went to go. And we have it on camera, oh, actually. It's wow. a very vague camera. Yeah. There was a guy with a, a dash cam behind him. Um, but uh, she runs a red light and takes the front of the car out, just like that. Yikes. And it, it's so unfortunate because there's $146,000 of additional damage that we only are going to get 20000 for. And um, when you rent cars, insurance is so complicated. Mm. It's actually my best interest to not file a claim on my own insurance. Because right now, um, that my insurance policy is like about 800 to a million dollars a year mm. with any claim. I've never had a claim. With any claim, oh my I'm literally like scared out of my mind to file because I think they're going to either drop me or they're going to raise the rates like 20% which could be $200,000 a year. Since the pandemic, it's just all bad. Like anybody in the rental car business, I kind of feel bad for you guys, you know? It's not the, the best time to be there.
So it costs you a million dollars a year just to insure your vehicles? It does. And like I said, that fluctuates. So now it's really funny. I had a conversation on the way over here in the car with, uh, I have a partner in the business. He's an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, I told him, I said, we now have to look at our business, not in terms of what each vehicle revenues us, but what it costs to insure. So about a year ago, uh, so I'm not sorry, 2020 went by too quick. So a year and a half ago, our insurance was about $400,000 a year for the same coverage since the pandemic. And this is nationwide, right? I mean, these insurance companies aren't just local to Las Vegas. They don't just do like four or five companies. They're doing hundreds of companies across the board. And they decided to basically say, take it or leave it. We're going to cancel you or you're going to pay like three times the rate. And companies like mine who kind of have like a long track record, I mean, I'm seven years in the business now, Mm. I don't really have the option to just close up shop, right? And just start a new business. You know, I'm kind of, we've got employees, we've got bought long leases, we've got a huge business, you know? So it was for me, I had to accept that raise in rates uh, in November. So now since November of 2021, the rates have been three times the price. So yeah, we're paying almost a million bucks, two and a half times the price. Wow. Uh, so when you're talking about revenues on each car, what's the most profitable one? A Huracan. And that's really? why I have like 14 of them, right? So a Huracan is the easiest car to use, Yeah, right? It's the easiest car to drive. And it's the most approachable for anybody that wants to try an exotic car for the first time, mm-hmm. right? It's basically like a Huracan and like a Rolls-Royce Cullinan. Because the Cullinan's like the one that fits the most people. Mm-hmm. So typically a family would rent that car and they would take it for multiple days. And the Cullinan, being such a new car, doesn't depreciate as much. Mm-hmm. So we're able to obviously make more money if it doesn't depreciate, right? And Huracans are pretty much the same. Because they're so reliable, people buy them for higher value used, right? 14,000 miles on a McLaren is totally different than 14,000 miles on a Lamborghini, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, I think you know that because you're a car guy. And every specialty, specialty car depreciates so much more aggressive yeah. than like the general Lamborghini mass production car. I mean, essentially Huracan's the most mass and widely produced exotic car, right? As was the Gallardo, mm. you know? So it's like kind of that similar mid-engine Lamborghini that yeah. we do. So how much do you buy the car for and how much does it rent out a day? Or how much how much revenue does that bring in a month? So we'll break it down by car, <laughs> okay. right? And yeah. we'll use a general car. The Huracan's okay. a great example because yeah. Uh, the base price of a Huracan is mediocrely about 250000 mm. I order every car brand new. Every single car in my fleet, I order myself. I spec my own options. Mm. I have orders up until 2024 currently. Wow. So my business is all planned out just two, three, almost two years in advance. Um, I order the fanciest colors. Mm. So I kind of pay a little extra for that. Like it's $20,000 usually for an extra color on a car. Um, but I, I don't spec them with a lot of carbon. Carbon's the death of an exotic car. You know, that's mm-hmm. where you go crazy $100,000 in options. I mean, visible carbon pack on a Ferrari yeah. could be forty grand, right? It's crazy. So I get them bare bones, but really cool looking. So they're about 275000 bucks, And we'll rent that car per day for $1,800 after tax, which tax in Nevada is like almost 30% for car rental. Why is it so much? We have the highest tax in the whole country. We actually have the highest hotel tax. We basically have the highest tourism taxes. Okay, but that pays for basically the 
no other state income tax, so they, they tax people on what Essentially, cars and yeah, we have no state income tax as, okay. a, in, you know, as an individual, but they get all their money from the marijuana and the rental cars and mm. everything. So we get about 1200 bucks from that, right? So you have all those taxes and fees and stuff that we don't get, right? We get 1200 and The average person drives about 140 miles in that 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. So we're getting essentially 7 to $8 a mile. So my goal is to make about $75,000 per 10,000 miles. Mm. That's my goal, right? And so if I can do that, we can pay off, not pay off, but pay down and, you know, whatever you see as the investment. That car, 10,000 miles is two and a half months. So in seven to eight months, we get our initial money back, right? And if the car can go one year, which typically it does, right? Um, we're able to get, you know, a profit from that. And then we get to sell the car for whatever's left. Since the pandemic, it doesn't really play out that way because mm. I'm not able to get so many cars. So getting cars right now from a dealer is kind of a luxury. So we're keeping them kind of shorter, right? So we can kind of mitigate the huge miles. Yeah. But, you know, essentially you're making about double what you pay for the car every 12 months. You know, yeah. what's the least profitable car? McLaren. Why? Because they break every day. Mm. And I keep a McLaren for like 3,000 miles. I can't keep a McLaren. Really? If it hits like 2,500, I'm already starting to sell it. So I buy them brand new. I'll rent them for like one. The McLarens drive less than Lamborghinis. Like a lot less. Like 50% less. So when someone has a McLaren, they typically don't drive it because they're less comfortable. They're not uncomfortable. Yeah. But they're just not as comfortable as something like that. So they'll drive them about 75 to 80 miles. They'll do like from the Strip to Red Rock and back. Whereas someone in a Lamborghini will go from the Strip to Red Rock to Hoover Dam and back. Right? So they'll do a little extra. Um, But those cars break too much. And so we lose them for quite a bit. But before we get into that, I want to thank our sponsor, Ladder. So as you guys may know, I'm recently married, and that got me thinking about how truly important family is to me. And with that in mind, I now understand why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, and with how affordable it really is, it doesn't make sense not to have it. Like a healthy 35-year-old man could get a million dollars of coverage for just $35 a month. A price well worth such a financial cushion, and if you agree, choose Ladder. Before Ladder, you would waste so much time going to a place in person just to find out weeks later that you might not even be approved. And if you're like me and you don't want to leave the house ever for any reason, Ladder's fast and easy application process has got you covered. With Ladder, you can get fast and affordable life insurance from the comfort of your own home. You can sign up from your phone or laptop in just a few minutes, and Ladder's smart algorithms will let you know instantly if you're approved. Plus, there's no hidden fees, and you could cancel anytime you want. Not to mention, if you change your mind in the first 30 days, you'll get a full refund. And life insurance only gets pricier as you age, so now's that perfect time to cross it off the list. So go to ladderlife.com slash ice coffee today that's l-a-d-d-e-r life.com slash ice coffee thank you so much ladder for sponsoring this episode and with that said let's get back to the episode smash the like button subscribe i think it would be interesting because you're so young and very successful how did you get to be so successful at a young age when did you start this and how like what did you have that made you so successful how, in this space. Yeah, how old are you? I don't know how old you are. I'm 33, so 33? I'm super old, actually. Really? Yeah, I mean, um, I might oh, look wow. 21. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, I started when I was 25 or 26. Um, 
I was a cable guy and I was traveling all over the United States doing like strike work and hurricanes and I was making a few thousand bucks a week. It was good. I had a GTR, Nissan GTR. It was like I had a car payment. It was like 1600 bucks a month. And uh, I was in town uh, in between the traveling jobs and I got hit by a Hummer H2 while I was driving. I had a little Mini Cooper, John Cooper yeah, works sure. and I got rear-ended and I broke my back and I wasn't able to go and I had to carry this big 28 foot ladder uh, as a cable guy yeah. and I wasn't able to do that anymore. <clears throat> So I was trying to find another job. And in the meantime, I thought, well, I have this really cool sports car. If I give it to a car rental company, they'll make enough money to pay me the payment, right? So I went, there was like six or seven car rental companies in Vegas at the time. This is like 2015. Yeah. Every single person said no. <clears throat> they were like, why would we rent a Nissan? And I was like, I was trying to explain this car and how cool it was to these old men that had these 355 Ferraris and just this weird vibe, right? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't really wrap my head around it. I was like, wow, this is the exotic car rental industry in Vegas. Everybody was so pessimistic. So I'm driving down Las Vegas Boulevard and I see another GTR on the side of the road and a guy has drive me for $99. And I'm like, oh yes, this guy gets it. I've seen those cars so, parked on the strip. Yeah. Yep. They, they were in the windshield always drive me 99 bucks. So. He yeah, had. Like a, they had a yellow guy order there all the time. That was actually yeah. my car. No, really? Yep. So we'll get to that part. <laughs> okay. But uh, so that space that you're referring to, they had leased a month or two weeks before I had met them. Mm -hmm. It's a couple of Israeli guys. So I went to them and I said, hey, like, <clears throat> can you guys buy my car? Because at this point I was like kind of beaten down. Everybody said no. I was like, no one's going to rent my car, but maybe they'll buy it now. They already had a white GTR. Mine was red. So I go to them. They said, no, I don't want to buy your car. I don't like red. I'm like, oh my God, again with these people, you know? Mm -hmm. So they uh, said and agreed to let me stand next to their white one. And after their white one got rented, I was allowed to rent my red one, but I had to do all the work. And then I would give them 50% of the profit. And me being like 25, 26, yeah. I'm like, that's a great idea. <laughs> it's on Las Vegas Boulevard. So anyways, a little bit longer story short, I go out there and I start renting my GTR. And I'm sitting in the back seat while I let people drive the car on like a little predetermined route for $150. I raised the price a little bit because my GTR was a little modified, had 800 horsepower. So it was wow. a cooler experience, you right? You trusted someone else to no, be in the car? No, but I was so oh young gosh. and I had no clue what I was doing. Right. So for me, I would sit in the back seat. I would be nauseous all day. I was taking about 10 of those Dramamine pills mm. and they weren't making a dent. So after two weeks, I said, oh, I, I can't do this anymore. I let my first guy from Boston. OK, I'll never forget this guy. Take the car for six hundred dollars by himself to Red Rock and back for two hours. He went up there. He went and did some donuts in the rocks and sprayed the side of my car with a bunch of rocks. Oh. The first rental I ever did, this happened. And I'm just sitting here like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I made a huge mistake. But I don't want to go with these people. I don't want to sit in the back seat. And so I just kept, now my car was messed up. Yeah. Had sprayed rocks all over it. The guy dumped it. He didn't pay me. It was a big, huge mess. And I felt, okay, whatever. I'm in it now. So I just started letting everybody take the car. I just crossed my fingers it would come back. And uh, six months later, I had like eight cars. So I had the yellow Gallardo. Yeah. I had a white R8. Um, I had a red California. Um, I had uh, 
whole bunch of slingshots, yeah. and then I had a bunch of scooters. Uh, now, I'm curious, how were you able to get financing for these cars to begin with? Because getting the GTR, obviously you had a good job, you're making a few Correct. thousand dollars a week, so how, how much were you making a month when you got the GTR? Um, well, when I was renting those cars, right? Oh, well, When you bought it. When I bought the GTR, I was making like 18000 a month gross. Wow. But it was all piecework, yeah. so I wouldn't make it consistently. Yeah, sure. So you'd only make that money when you were working. Yeah. So you would get a job for three months, make you know $50,000, and then you'd be out of work until the next strike or the next hurricane. So you'd go into work at like a $1,500 a week pace. And then when those big jobs happen, you get like 5000 a week. Wow. So okay. it was okay. But, um, but how are you able to get financing on these cars? Because even for me, uh, I, when, when I, I looked into this a few years ago, and it was so difficult. I wanted – there was a brief moment where I wanted a Gallardo Superleggera. Mm, brief nice, moment there. Very nice car. And uh, even speaking of the banks, it's just like they wanted you to have a history of working your way up. And since I had always paid cash for these cars, I would never had a previous loan. They were like, well, we want you to have a mid-tier, and so you don't just go from nothing to this car. So what you're yeah. talking about happened to me when I went from the GTR to the Gallardo. Okay. And so I bought the 2006 Gallardo Spider, and it was $116,000. Um, I had only had a loan on my GTR, which the GTR I bought for, I believe it was like low 70s. It okay. was a 2015, and um, they were they were giving like $20,000 off MSRP back then. There were GTRs were 106,000 bucks and they were really hard to sell. Mm -hmm. And this one was a demo, so it had miles on it. So I think I was out the door just about 80 grand and uh, I put $10,000 down, right? So the down payment is the most important part of financing yeah. a car, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys on the internet that'll tell you zero down this, zero down that. I mean, it's, I don't get that, that no one does those loans. In the car business, if you put 30% down, you're automatically approved no matter what. You could tell them you make a bajillion dollars a year, and they won't check it if you put 30% down. Mm. It's like the golden rule for financing cars. Okay. So when I when I got the Gallardo, um, I already had the GTR, and I didn't really want to trade it in. I wanted to keep it, right? Because I was kind of like, well, this car is making money. I don't want to sell that one just to get a different one to make a little more money. I want to make a lot more money and have two. So I, I saved for those those months that we were making money. I had two months that we were making money, and I saved $40,000 from mm -hmm. the rental fees, right? And so I was able to put $40,000 down, and I financed it with a company called Putnam Leasing, mm -hmm. which is like a 20% interest, crappy Yikes. bank. Yeah, that, sure. But it, when I was that age and I was making money from the car, it didn't really matter to me. Mm -hmm. And so they don't put it on your credit report. They don't... Uh, uh, really write it down unless you do like a bad deal with them it's it's often it's under the table it's a leasing company and most exotic car financing is like that mm. so two months after that i was able to go to another leasing company and put forty thousand dollars down into ferrari california which also did not report to my credit report so all i had was this gtr on my credit that was with the regular bank yeah and so now i had three cars and those three cars were making enough money for me to buy a fourth car cash and that was a mclaren mp412c so by the time I had four cars, it was a lot of money coming in, right? But then there was a lot of money going out. And so essentially, after about six months, I had a lot of things. I had scooters, I had slingshots, I had all this stuff, I had a bunch of car payments, and the city came down and uh, sent these two guys a letter, and basically they were doing business on a business license. Well, they kind of had a business license, but it was at a location, like a warehouse on the side of the strip somewhere, mm. and they were doing business in the front. So I was like kind of like completely shocked and they shut us down 
Like I had all this debt. I had all these cars. I had 35, 40 scooters that I was renting and I had nowhere to go. And these guys just kind of packed up and were like, sorry. (laughs) I was like, what? And I was, I panicked. I I had no idea. I went home. I like started crying. I was like, I told my wife, I sold my house Mm. for us to expand this like little business. Right. I had had to buy some, you know, time money to pay my bills because all that money wasn't going to pay my bills. It was going to pay like for cars. So I sold my house about a month before this happened and my wife almost killed me. I'm pretty sure that she wanted to. So, uh, I used the last $15,000 I had and I leased the space that you went to. So wow. I now, didn't did any at any point it crossed your mind just like, well, you know, I could sell off these cars. I built up some equity well, in them. Yeah, but then I would yeah. have to be a cable guy again. And I already had this cool yeah. lifestyle where I mean, after you buy a really nice car, I don't really care what it is. It's old and you want another one after a couple weeks, mm-hmm. right? Like there's always another one. There's always a better one. So after I had gotten three really cool supercars and I still had the GTR and then I had a slingshot, I had all these things and my family saw like how it was doing so good and yeah. I was really innovative. I mean, no one had really kind of done this before hourly supercar rentals, right? It was a, it was a new thing. So I didn't want to let anybody down and I really didn't want to show any weakness. So no one actually knew besides my wife yeah. that the business wasn't like cool. And I was kind of young and dumb. And so when I went, I leased this space uh, at Dean Martin, the one you went to, and I just put up a sign out front and people from the Bellagio could see the sign and they called the day I opened. I mean, I went through the licensing process and yeah, sure. I got all my stuff situated. Right. And that took about 45 days. Right. So through that time, leasing it, getting all of it ready, I went down to zero dollars, like nothing. Like my credit cards are maxed out. I had no money. And the only way I was going to survive if I had rent, rented those cars. And the first day we opened, I did. And so kind of like the rest is history. Yeah. And when you were working with those two guys using their lot, were they just making bank off of you if you were still giving them 50% yeah. of what you're making? At that point, wouldn't you have realized that it would probably be better if you were to get your own lot, if you're paying them half of your... So I wasn't only just paying them half. I was actually paying them fees as well. They were charging me for insurance, which there definitely wasn't insurance, right? I mean, they, they keep telling me to this day. I mean, I'm not to this day, yeah, but yeah, sure. a few years ago, I had ran into one of the guys. I'm like, dude, just tell me the truth. Was there really insurance? Because it was like $10,000 a month. And I'm just sitting here like... Was there really insurance? Yeah, I, I, and I he swears to, to this day there was insurance. I was I don't curious how, how that worked. How the insur- <laughs> like if a car was wrecked, did so you didn't have at, insurance in your so name in that car at that time. <clears throat> all those cars were registered to my personal name. Oh wow! And they were all personally insured by me. Which, if you were to have rented the car, I would have been screwed if you would have crashed it because I wasn't. I didn't have my stuff together yet. Yeah, like I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And I didn't understand rental contracts. But when I was forced to do this on my own and I had no one else, I had to learn. I went to the DMV. I got my license to sell insurance. I became an insurance broker, insurance agent. I got my license to do every single thing, car sales, car dealer. So I went through the state stuff. And I I mean, I'm actually like pretty interested in learning the the law and to do it the right way. So I spent a lot of time reading all the manuals and the books for the DMV and everything. And so through this process, I actually became relatively smarter, Mm. you know, I mean, it was a, it was a good learning experience. And now that's why royalty still exists. The typical age of an exotic car rental company is like a year and a half to two years Why? because they don't do all of the things the right way. 
they did it how I did it in the beginning, where there's no insurance and you had all your cars financed. Now there's no royalty cars financed. I mean, there hasn't been for years. But in the beginning, you know, I wasn't wealthy. I didn't have any money for my parents. I didn't have anything. So I just did it the way I could and I got away with it. But today you can't do that anymore. I mean, now there's like so many players like Turo and all these other apps and rideshare things and this and that. It's really easy for people to just put up one car on yeah. one of those apps and make a little bit of money, right? To do what I do to start and to get to the 50 car level, it takes a massive overhead. And I mean, five years of YouTube videos, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Why don't you do Turo? Why not put a few of the cars up there and just kind of capture that market as well? Because I have more customers in Turo now. Okay. Um, I have a wider range. Actually, Turo, like four years ago, reached out to us and invited us. We put some slingshots on Turo. Mm -hmm. And like the first customer crashed it. Like not wrecked it, but like destroyed it. Like the front hit the curb and everything. And Turo said, because we were a commercial business, that we're on our own. We just pay for it. And I was like, well, mm -hmm. that's not okay. <laughs> like, doesn't the customer have insurance or something? So we had like a really bad experience. But they take 30%. And sometimes up to 50%. So if I have my own network of people, you know, we have our own business, then yeah. why would we want to give it away for no reason? I mean, that's like paying Google ads or, you know, some advertising service, right? And plus, Turo is actually kind of a bad business. They don't really price match or price cap different categories. So if you have a slingshot and yours is 500, mm -hmm. mine could be $5. It, it could be $20. It could be $100 we can set our own prices and that's kind of unfair to the renter because if there's like 10 of the same car, the lowest one wins, right? Yeah, and right. It, it works from the bottom up. And the guy that actually knows what the value of his car is really never rents the car. So it's kind of unfair. Turo should change yeah. their business model slightly. I think it's kind of similar to Airbnb though, where people could set their own rates and you know, you want to stay competitive, but at the same time you want to try to maximize yeah. you know, how Airbnb much you can get Airbnb isn't that. like like for like. Right, it's not like you're renting the exact oh, that, same thing. That's true. Yeah. So, like, if I'm looking for a Lamborghini Huracan and I have one for, or you have one for one thousand, mm. and he has one for five hundred, well, who do you think I'm going to rent? It's the same thing, right? So, the same condo isn't the same condo. You know, I mean, it's like a little Got bit it. unique. And Airbnb is actually relatively competitive. I mean, they're all pretty much the same. You know, I think in the car world, because people have different car payments, they have different insurance payments, the variety of people that have them right in their current living situation dictate the price that the cars get rented for. Got it. Right. If someone wants to make $500 a month or $5,000 a month, that determines your price point. That's interesting. How much are you making now from the entire rental car business just overall? Because I'm curious about so, if if you if you're comfortable sharing some of the sure yeah the I numbers mean, behind it. It depends. With COVID, we did really good and then we did really bad. We did really good and we did really bad. Right. So we don't really know where we're gonna sit, but typically with the fleet size that I have, yeah. it should be six to eight million dollar a year revenue business. Mm -hmm. Right. That should be adequate. Um, we've done better than that and we've done worse than that. You know. So it kind of fluctuates right now quite a bit. Yeah. But like, then it's also the overhead, right? So then you have. Mm -hmm. Leasing yeah. space, insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, what about like gasoline or repairs? How often do these cars need to be repaired? Or well, damages or damages are prevalent, yeah. right? Okay. Damages happen every day. Um, I actually started making my own wheels, like I manufacture my own wheels now because they were damaging so many wheels. And Lamborghini and uh, Ferrari were unable; they don't make that many wheels, like they don't have them in stock. So, like curbed wheels happen 
sometimes three to four times a day, mm-hmm. and sometimes they crack. And like I'm kind of against powder coating because I'm like a firm believer if you powder coat your wheel too many times, it weakens the integrity of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like to take risk. Like I don't leave myself open for anybody to sue me. So uh, we make our own wheels now. That's how many damaged wheels we get. So I've got like a warehouse full of 600 sets of wheels that wow. are ready to go at any given time to replace on a car. Um, I stock like almost every bumper, uh, every brake pad. The The way you make money in car rentals is to never have the car unavailable, right? And if you come and rent the car and you get a flat tire, it may be your fault, but you're going to want your money back. So like I have a van specifically de- dedicated with the tire machine and everything built no in. Way. But I can drive to you and change your tire right there. Because huh. I'm really, I don't like giving people their money back for things that I can control, right? So the car rental business is very demanding for extreme immediate service, right? And when someone feels like they get that service, you get the amazing customer and you get very loyal people that want to rent 10, 20, 30 times. And when you're renting a car at the price point that we rent, that's a great customer, right? And that comes down to service. So the typical person rents one time. But like right now, we're seeing like a 30 to 35% repeat rate Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, because there's not that many things to do. People are coming back to Vegas a lot, right? I mean, if you live in Southern California, there's more restrictions there than there are here, right? And if you live in other states like the East Coast, there's also more restrictions there. So they come here more often Mm. because they're not going to Europe or wherever. So right now it's okay. What a, oh, do you think your average customer is someone that's just trying to rent a car for a day and have a good time? Or would you say that they're like, because in, in my opinion, just from someone who doesn't know much about the business, I feel like a lot of people would want to rent a car to like show off. You're going back to your high school reunion 100%. or you're taking a girl on a date, something like that. Oh, Jack, you should you should get a car to pick up a date. We no. got, yeah, Let's do that. No. We could vlog it. No. Picking up a date in a Lamborghini or a car. I, 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 I could not actually do that. Why not? Jack, that is you, so you embarrassing. Have you, you have to do, to do it. That is we'll so horribly you. embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. I would not get a second date. Yes, you would. I guarantee you. Not like you it would make a, a difference. Date. Listen, you would what? get a second date, but not a third date. Because when you showed up in your regular car on the second date, <laughs> oh, right, yeah, then, then she'd like, be like, oh, what's yeah. this? Bait I'm out. Yeah. Yes, bait and switch. Yeah. Jack, second date guaranteed, third date probably not. Got it. Well, I drive a Lexus too. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> 2005 I mean, RX 330. It's all the same. Lexus is Lexus, right? Yeah, exactly. So, very similar car. Yeah, very, yeah, similar. very similar. You probably have better seats than I do. Mine are relatively uncomfortable. I got seat warmers. I don't know if you... I don't. He, he drives a Lexus LFA. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I drove that today. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the customers come in are like 99% today about showing off. Mm-hmm. Right. There's like 1% that people come in and they rent cars for longer than one day where they're used to that car and they yeah. own those cars where they're from and they want that car while they're on vacation. Right. That's like 1% of people. That seems crazy to me to be like, that's my threshold. I need that car everywhere I go. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's tough because like the typical rental car person, when they come to Las Vegas, Vegas is such an easy place to use that car. Do you rent that car when you're in Dallas, Texas for business? Probably not, right? Do you rent that car when you're in Miami? Yeah, like it's easy to show off in Miami, just as easy to show off on Las Vegas Boulevard, right? And actually Las Vegas has a lot of cool places to drive and use the cars. I mean, you live in a wonderful place, right? I mean, there's great roads out here. They're open, they're clean, it's all paved, Mm -hmm. right? So it's a good place to use the car too. So I think we have 
pretty much a millennial focused business right now that is a lot centered around Instagram and people showing off. But that's also a bad thing because when people show off, they make poor choices. I'm curious. I, I remember seeing on Instagram where people were renting out the private jets on the inside just to take pictures and videos. That's a thing. Why haven't you done that with cars? Of just like people could go and take pictures <laughs> with the car. The car stays stationary, but you could have a cool backdrop or something. And they, I just mean, like, maybe we could rent a car to like Selfie World, right? Where that's where they do that. Sure. They they have sets built out that are for people to take selfies and show yeah. off, right? Um, I don't know. I think I'm kind of like trying to focus on the more. I want to say bigger money, but sure. <laughs> I mean, right. how much could, how much would you pay to take a picture in a Lamborghini? $20, right? Maybe. I mean, yeah, give her, yeah. a Lamborghini seat is $14,000. So how many people will it take to ruin the seat? So you would need 700, uh, you would need 700 people to make that money back just to break even and replace your seat. I don't know. doesn't seem like All that right. good of a business. That's fair. <laughs> It's wild to me because I do see anytime you're on the strip, the people – and you always know they're the rentals because mm-hmm. they're completely stock – they're bone stock cars usually, mm-hmm. no tints, and they're bright colors always. Yeah. And uh, the windows are always down, and uh, the music's all the way up, and they're always lo- – they're looking around. Always they're, looking and around. And they're looking That's at people, it. and they're, they're like, oh, they're looking. looking at me. They're looking at me. It's, it's kind of funny. They're looking, yeah. and uh, you can tell because they're always leaving first gear open till the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then and they wait the last, yeah. <laughs> last second shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So downshifting um, a little too early. Exactly. And- <laughs> I kind of pride myself in window tint and black wheels. And uh I'm a one of the founders of Rift Exhaust. Yeah. So like I try to put exhaust on the cars and make them a little bit more than the typical rental that you would see from another company. Yeah. Right? Like I'm really offended by people that have silver wheels on their car i mean silver works on some cars but like on a orange lamborghini i feel like it just should have aggressive black wheels and look more like it's your own yeah right so it's uh that's kind of like a little bit more royalty has that ownership look yeah there's no like license plates that say rental on them or rent me or phone numbers so that's always been kind of a staple of our business that's interesting. What's shocking to me is the fact that you can start a multi-million dollar business or at least a business that grosses over $1,000 a day with just like thirty dollars to $40,000. I mean, I think that's most good businesses. I mean, I started uh, a restaurant with not $40,000, but I started a restaurant with like $200,000 and it it's already got we've already got 10 locations right let's talk about that why did you decide to do a restaurant isn't that a business that so many people fail at isn't that a really difficult thing to get into you know i swear i don't know why but when people tell me that the number one failing businesses are the ones you obviously don't do it makes me want to do those only i don't know why it's like crazy to me but yeah, like the restaurant was always a big thing. And I've always wanted to be in the quick service industry because I feel like the customer, I guess once you once you have the experience with a customer that spends $2,000 with you and the level of detail you have to have, everything seems easy, right? The level of responsibility. When I give you a $400,000 car and you give me $2,000, and there's no other money exchanged, like there's no deposit, there's nothing else, it's a very large risk. And you have to be really focused on who you're giving that to. Otherwise, you can end up on a YouTube video, right? Because yeah. that's pretty much the customers that 
that get there, the ones that probably shouldn't be doing that. And when you learn that customer and you learn that type of business, you learn so much about people and the control you have within that atmosphere. So like for the restaurant industry, for me to give you a sandwich for $12, it, it seems like, like, like child's play to me. Like, I'm like, it's so easy. Mm. You're either going to ask me for $12 back because you didn't like it or you're going to eat it and love it. Or maybe you eat it and give me a three-star review. There's like three options there. Sure, yeah. You're not going to take the sandwich and hit me in the face with it. You're not going to steal it, right, <laughs> and take it to California, and it's going to get impounded somewhere, and I'm not going to be able to get it back, right? And you're not going to, like, go and do crazy things and risk everybody's life, and I have to file an insurance claim to get my sandwich back, right? So all of those crazy things that happen at royalty can't happen in a restaurant, so all I have to do with the restaurant to be successful is to give you that same feeling you get when you get that $2,000 Lamborghini. And that what makes it easy. And it was $200,000 to start this up? Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've spent more money since then because yeah. we have nine locations now. But the first restaurant, um, we spent a little over $200,000 at. Um, we've made improvements after we opened, but we got voted the number one restaurant in Las Vegas on Yelp for 2021. And that restaurant grosses almost as much as our chicken, or as our uh, royalty exotic cars. No, eight million, almost. six to eight million dollars in one restaurant. Uh, well, we have two now. Okay, that are open, open. Yeah, we'll have we have uh, eight under construction. Mm -hmm. Two are open. Each restaurant's doing about two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month. Wow, out of two thousand square feet. What's the overhead like? Because I've seen on restaurants, it's like a ten to fifteen percent profit margin. Is that about accurate? Twenty five to twenty eight for what we do because yeah. we have one item. We have chicken, fried chicken. So we have a 84 skew restaurant. Yeah. So uh, we are just starting to sell franchises in January right now. But uh, the hot chicken industry is like blowing up like crazy. So we're getting an uh, average about 7,500 to $10,000 a day in revenue, which is essentially 700 customers a day in a 2,000 square foot space at an average, uh, average ticket at $21. So it's like, really 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 good business how do you get so many people i mean youtube helps a lot yeah right because we're popular is that the, is that the channel um, your, your channel or is it is there another like houston's chicken no there's YouTube only channel? um that would be fun to vlog the behind the scenes of that so that would I, be great yeah. we're my business partner edmund he um uh his youtube channel was edmund mondi i think uh or mondi mm -hmm. and he's uh he was a professional race car driver so since i have royalty and I'm like full fledged in my rental car business. I put like 50% of my time in the business, but he's 100% there. So he is vowed to change his YouTube channel to basically the Houston's Hot Chicken YouTube channel where, I mean, we have like some of the hottest chicken tenders in America. So like we have like this game called Tender Roulette where there's like six tenders and everybody grabs one and some have no spice and some have the you don't want to taste that spice because yeah. it could kill you right and so we have all these like games that we play and that's what his channel is going to turn into so the tender roulette i mean the tender eating competition how many people can eat the spiciest stuff it's really fun to watch like that stuff yeah. right there for me is exciting you know what's funny i think this is pure coincidence but uh i don't know if you know this guy on tiktok uh he goes hooked l i think it's hooked lv yeah, yeah he's a big yeah, he actually uh, runs guy, yeah. our social media are you serious yeah well i mean he's he, awesome yeah he helps us um run our social media so his video came up now i'm uh i'm i have i have two tiktok accounts one of them is my my personal one where i where i watch them the other one is just a random one mm -hmm. that uh just for you know random scrolling or whatever but uh 
his video came up on Houston's Chicken. Yeah. And it was so good. And he actually reached out to me uh, as just a subscriber when, when we moved to Vegas and we met up with him. Yeah. He's such great. a smart guy. Yeah. So I met him yeah. when I first, first started the idea of opening this restaurant. This is early 2019. Mm -hmm. And, um, he was working at Whole Foods, yeah. Uh, and I met him there, and he was talking, showing me his vlog or his uh, uh, account, his TikTok, yeah. and how he does restaurant reviews. And I'm like, man, like when we open, you're gonna be my guy. Yeah. So we had talked to him for. I mean, I had seen him at Whole Foods. He was working at like the little deli thing. Mm -hmm. I'd seen him for like a year before you know we shut down and everything. I was going to the grocery store all the time, and I would always say hi to him. We chat and talk. And so when we opened, he was my guy. I mean, he was the guy that helped yeah. us. So uh, we gave him the contract to do our good. social media. Yeah, And he's great. And he actually uh, has a lot of really good ideas too. And I'm hoping, he has a really cool burger place I wanna invest in. But uh, that's maybe for the future. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm thinking this would be so viral to be able to do like that, that you know, the hottest chicken ever. Little challenges like yeah. that. I, think I mean, be there's so neat. there's so much content you can make with yeah. food because it reaches such a wide audience. That's like what the car business is tough because it reaches car guys. And I've like, I mean, we're mutual friends with Stradman, right? Mm -hmm. And I talk to James every once in a while when I go up to Utah, and I'm just like, you know, James, like, what's next? I always ask him, and, and he never really gives me a straight answer. But what, what's next for him? Yeah, because oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, how many more subscribers can he get? Right? I mean, he's been doing it though, which is crazy. I, lo keep, I love him. For the last year, I'm like, what else could he do? It's <laughs> yeah. it. But he keeps delivering on just mm -hmm. great content. It's wild. And so, like, once you take get out of that niche of like one specific thing, right? Food is like a completely open genre that reaches the world's population because everybody eats it. Everybody wants to. You know, we release all those really great, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But uh, like the serotonin in your brain when you eat something really good, right? Oh, yeah, People sure. crave it. I mean, that's why we're all over, overweight, right? I mean, that's why I'm overweight because when I'm stressed out, I love to go eat something good. I'm trying to, I'm trying to lose that. Yeah. To, that's my resolution this year. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, it is. I've made my resolution to never want to lose my weight because like it's just something I always try to do and I just can't. So I just accepted the fact that I'm just going to eat good, you know? I mean, eat healthy. I don't know. I think the I think there's a balance. Like I'm hungry right now, and I'm resisting. I'm starving right <laughs> really? now. Really? I'm so hungry. Yeah. See, now we're it talking about the chicken, time. and I'm like, geez, it's, that it's, would be. Uh, yeah, you make me so hungry. It's this dinner whole time. time. Man. We could have sponsored this episode. It just brought in some chicken. And, oh. oh my god, we could. We should have had. Me. I didn't think about it. We should have had one of our. We get like four oh. or five burgers, and one of them should be the really hot one. And we all agree that we have to eat that one. I'm vegetarian. Oh, Jack is vegetarian. If you are, I can make you for thirty days. I can yeah. make you a Houston. So Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. Is our hottest sandwich <laughs> naturally? That's a great name, right? And so lift off is yeah. the one right before it, and then you have spicy, medium, mild, and then we have a, a Memphis dry, a Memphis dry rub, and then we have one that has no spice at all, just chicken for kids. It's grams. And regular, you know, stuff for, for me. The the <laughs> Memphis dry rub is kind of like my favorite because I try. I have a pretty uh, weak stomach myself, so yeah. I try not to eat anything spicy. Yeah. So that Memphis one's pretty good. But uh, Houston, we have a problem. We could make it a tofu, so that we can do a so fried good. tofu for you, and uh, it'll. It's actually not bad. The tofu was good. It's the first wow. time I ever tried tofu. I mean, we fried it and put all the seasoning on it, so kind of yeah. tasted like chicken to me. But one thing I thought that you did that I really liked a lot. Didn't you host a car meet? Yes, yeah, so that's, that's uh, chicken, yeah. growing the restaurant. Yes. Going back to that, uh, we do car meets once a month. 
and we bring, I mean, we had four or 5,000. The F-Spot video was yeah. at a Houston's Hot Chicken Car Me. Yep. It was like four or 5,000 cars Yeah, they invited up. me that night. It was at yeah. night, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make it, though. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, we do them once a month. And so for every grand opening, we have a, a few grand openings uh, coming up. We have two in April. And then uh, we're opening our fashion show mall location on the Strip uh, probably in June. So that one's going to be hard to do a car show because it's inside you know, the mall on Las sure. Vegas Boulevard. But for every new place, we have two drive throughs that are opening in uh, in March, April, May, whatever those are. And those are going to be really fun because uh, we're going to have cars all over the place. Yeah. And there's, those are great shows. So I've had this, uh, this theory, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've had two friends in the past who have opened restaurants. We've always said when you open a restaurant, you have to have a car meet in the parking lot. And both people who didn't do it, the businesses did not end up doing well. So from now on, I'm like, in order for a business to do well, they have to do a car meet in the park. It works, though, because you get so many people just parking there out front of the place. You get cool cars there. Everyone's like, oh, what are they? What's going on? Oh, it's the Houston's car meet. So we have, I think we have like, we have 410 five-star reviews. We have seven one-stars. And about four of our one-stars are because people were mad about our car meet. It was too loud. It went on too late. Um, it was all the old gram. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. If I can get a one-star review that talks bad about how many people came to my restaurant, I think I'm doing something good, right? And the other three yeah. bad ones are because it's too hot, right? I mean, one guy walked in and was like, I need your hottest sandwich right now. And then he said in the review that he has a sensitivity to spice. I'm just like, you know... Were you on drugs when you do this? Because like, I don't feel like you should order the hottest. Yeah. That's two million Scoville units. Two million. I don't know what that means. Yeah. A normal <laughs> mild Popeye spicy sandwich, right? Like, you yeah, had sure. Popeye spicy sandwich. So good. 25,000 Scoville units. 25,000 <laughs> to two million. That's the difference. How is spice. that enjoyable? Though? It's Who not. Eats that? No one's that? supposed to eat it. That's why it's called Houston. We have a problem. You shouldn't eat that one. You're like, have you had it? it? I can. Sm- I can't even smell it. I'm like, and you never it, had it? it? No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I haven't even eaten the medium one. I'm scared. I'm. I'm like not about spice. You know. So <laughs> would you eat it, Graham? I don't. I hate. I hate. Hot what if we had a competition? You and I. Loser had to eat it. I don't know if I'd be able to finish it. I would try it. So the yeah. sandwich is is kind of a cheater way to try it because you have coleslaw, you have pickles, you have our sauce, you have the bread. The real way to screw someone up is mm-hmm. to let them eat the tenders. The tenders are plain. It's just spice on spice on spice. It's nothing else. Just have, more have spice. Have you seen somebody finish the whole thing? By yes. Way? One of my employees, yeah. Andre, is he, he must not have any taste buds. Mm-hmm. He could eat this Houston We Have a Problem tender with a blank face and just eat it. He doesn't even make an expression. His body is sweating. You can see him <laughs> physically sweating. But like... We've had people take one bite and profusely puke. No. We've had people pass out. Like, you have to sign a waiver. Like, you have to waive. Like, you're like, legitimately, you could go to the hospital if you eat too much of these particular spices. And so, like, it's dangerous. I mean, you're not supposed to eat scorpion powder or pepper. You're not supposed to eat these things. And so, like, people, this is like a challenge, right? I mean, the hot chicken genre, the space is kind of fitted with these people trying too spicy of things. Now, some people can handle it, no problem. I mean, if you're from some ethnic regions that are used to those spices when you grow up, obviously you're going to be okay. But coming from Las Vegas, where I've never even seen a ghost pepper, 
or I mean, let alone a habanero at some places. That's like insane to me, you know? So it's pretty, it's pretty dangerous. Do you ever turn anybody down at the restaurants? All the uh, time. Really? This lady yeah. wanted her eight-year-old son. She signed a waiver for eight-year-old son. I said, ma'am, listen, you can write me all the reviews you want, but you're not taking this and you're not giving this to your kid. And that was that. And I happened Why to be there at that moment. That? I don't know. Maybe she didn't like him. I'm not sure. It's the only excuse I can think about. She just didn't understand. Maybe her son wanted it. She didn't get. I I really have no idea. But like, if you just understand, I mean, we literally label Scoville units, right? Like hot Cheetos, right? Are like 5,000 Scoville units. Really? They're like, no, those are hotter than Popeye's hot chicken. They're so low. Yeah. Well, it's. But when you eat Popeye's chicken, you have so much more to, to, oh, to you're eating like such yeah. a different way. Like if you just take Popeye's chicken and cut it up and eat it, it's going to be way spicier than if you have it with bread and all the sauce, mm. right? Because it drowns it out. So you have to look up Scoville units and do your research before you like go yeah. there and go crazy. That's fair. Maybe I'm just a skeptic because I've never really had anything that's like that hot. Like I had the world's sourest candy. But that oh. was yeah, we did that. That, that was still like very tolerant. Oh, man. Uh, like, do we I, still I can't have even that? eat a warhead. Yeah, I think we still do. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you probably, you said you have the yeah, stomach stuff. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm, I can't take that type of risk. Yeah. No, but, that's, that's yeah. fair. But even the world's sourest candy was not. Have you eaten that chip? The one, oh, chip one chip no, I'm not. No, that's supposed to be crazy hot, uh, but it's different. It's like a, it's a very, it's a dark ghost pepper that they use, and it's a very hard ghost pepper. And I heard that there's scorpion pepper on it too. Mm. Scorpion pepper is like very, very harsh, right? Like different peppers do different things, right? I mean, you've eaten wasabi at a sushi restaurant, right? That's only spicy in your mouth, and then like it kind of goes away, right. right? But there's peppers that that don't go away; they like increase. The more you digest it, right, and so that's kind of the the one chip challenge where you eat it and you're like, okay, and then it like destroys you. It's like an huh. explosion, and you can watch some of these people. I mean, I watched Shaq eat it; <laughs> it's pretty funny. I'm sure for him the chip is like this big. It was like this it's big. Like this. I've seen this video. It keeps getting recommended of Shaq with the holding, water bottle. Yeah, Shaq I see that. Normal people. Yeah, it keeps getting recommended. Same. Like the water bottle looks like this, and he's just holding it with his hand. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's very interesting what uh, uh, we're influencer culture is yeah. building now, right? I mean, think about all the, the things that we think are cool today, and so that's why Houston's hot chicken works. You know, if I open like a Thai restaurant, I might not do good. You know, That's who knows? Yeah. Now, you turn down people at the restaurant occasionally for certain situations like that. What about the the car rental business? If somebody walked in and you're just like, no, I could I could tell that uh, I, this is. I am the king of turndowns really? at car rental. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> like how, the king. How do you do that in a way that they don't feel like it's I just have like, no yeah. feelings anymore? Really? I am. I. It doesn't matter. I used to be like. I would just make them jump through more hoops, yeah. get better insurance and do this and do that. Now I'm just like, here's an address of a company that will rent to you that feels more comfortable with it. <laughs> That's what I say. Yeah, and what sort of red flags do you, do you look for in that? Today, in, during the pandemic era, it's mostly uh, younger kids, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why, but we never really had like the 18 to 21 year olds. Yeah. We make it pretty mandatory to do yeah. 25, yes. but like you don't, always know when they're not 25 until you like go through the whole process you've rented them the car then you get their id like we don't get their id and check their insurance first before they pay mm-hmm. so typically they pay online they preserve it mm-hmm. and then we find we see them then we see their id so 
it becomes a little bit more difficult to turn them away once you've already have a reservation a month in advance and all of those factors, right? We get their insurance about a week before they rent typically. So we can kind of mitigate some of that. But sometimes people don't send their insurance the same something day. something on, on your website that says, like, you must be over 25 and, like, they, they certify. Yeah. And- yeah, they don't listen to that. That uh, happens yeah. all, all the time. Yeah. So if, so let's say I walked into your place and I wanted to rent a car. Would, do you think I would be approved or denied? Jack's approved. 23. Well, he's 23. It, it, so, I, yeah. I already can tell you it's approved. Right. Why? There's what? certain mannerisms that you can tell someone's responsible or not responsible. Oh. Right. And, uh, I mean... I can tell by your hairstyle that you're responsible. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's my hair is wow. atrocious today. Thank you. <laughs> it, it That's made... why, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bad. Yeah, you're it's... not you're not impressing oh. anybody. Yeah, so it's not I gonna... mean, there's just certain. I mean, how do you explain this without being offensive? Right? Yeah, that sure. you can't. Yeah. But like, you just learn how to read people and what their feeling right like their vibe their aura like mm-hmm. all that stuff really plays into a factor how calm they are how they talk right if they come in with a group of like 10 guys yes. and they want one car it's an automatic yeah. zero no for me that was what we uh it was lucky who helped us get uh mm-hmm. for father's day we got a lambo and a ferrari and we brought it back and uh that exact same situation it was like it must they all must have been 20 21 years old five of them all wanting to rent one car. And it seemed as though they were each like throwing in like a little bit each, like a hundred bucks each. Yeah. And they're just going to share it. That's yeah. a hard no for me. Yeah. Um, anybody that comes mm-hmm. in with like any girls that come in that seem like they should be renting a car. A lot of guys with no insurance will mm-hmm. send their girlfriends in and rent cars like straw renters. It happens every day. And it's typically like on holiday weekends, mm. right? It doesn't happen like on a regular weekend where it's like families or the events are different. It's like Memorial Day or Super Bowl weekend where you get like a large crowd from like all over the world or all over the country. And uh, you can kind of tell like they're more they're nervous, you know, or they're they have like kind of like they're on the phone a lot. There's a lot of those little red flags that you're just like, we can't rent to you, you know, because a lot of people. Uh, it happened actually to another car rental company of mine. This is kind of a sad story. Yeah. Um, but uh, a girl walked in, rented the car, and her uninsured, unlicensed boyfriend was driving at like over 150 miles an hour and hit someone else on a motorcycle, no. and that motorcycle list died. No. And so wow. those things typically happen. And I'm like a really big proponent of this. Like I'm in like the news, and I'm working with the city to try to change this because. It's really dangerous, and there's really no regulation in this industry, and a lot of people risk a lot of things. And so um, a lot of companies don't really go through and check their renters, right? And they, uh, I do a pretty deep check. Like I have like a physical driver's license scanner. We get like a DMV record. Like it's pretty quick. I mean, we have to pay seven bucks for it, but it helps us make those determinations, you know? So there was another accident that happened with a guy who had just got out of jail for a DUI. It was his third or second DUI. Wow. Three hours later, he was, or not three, it was like a little bit later, a few hours later, he was driving like 140 miles an hour down Tropicana, lost control and hit a guy on the sidewalk. Wow. For third DUI. Oh my god. So gosh. those types of things you've got to avoid. Yeah. I've never, knock on wood, had any injury accidents since I've started. But I'm really picky because, like, there's always another customer that's responsible. I mean, think four million people come to Vegas every right. month. If I only have 80 cars, 
it's pretty good odds I'm going to rent them every day, right? I mean, and if you have less than 80 cars, like let's say 10, 12, right? Most of the other competitors here in town mm. have like 10 to 12 cars. You're going to rent them every day. You don't have to push the luck and just take the first dollar that comes in. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of the big red flags. You got to be very careful. You were telling us, though, about like going to California and having to get like (laughs) go to go to court. What happened there? How common is that? So I had a woman (laughs) rent a car and uh, she came from the Cosmo. Mm -hmm. She refused. This is uh, unfortunately while I was out of town. And uh, had a couple of new employees that were training. Mm-hmm. We had a retail store at the mall. So those employees trained at our main office, then went to the mall and sold rentals. Got it. <clears throat> so this one of my new girls was renting a car, didn't really learn the, the red flags yet, rented a car to a girl and uh, took all the information over the phone and went to the Cosmo to drop off a Dodge Hellcat. And they did the contract there on the spot, took the picture, did all the stuff. But um, we didn't get her in our office. And so that was a big issue. She paid to go to California. And it's okay. Like sometimes international people will come from like the UK. And they'll want to go to Disneyland. That happens like every time. I mean, if you come from the UK, Disneyland's a cool place. Yeah. So they fly into Vegas. And then they drive to Disneyland and come back. So you take an SUV or a four-seater car. Yeah. Right? So they, we have a fee for that and they go and they, they do it and they come back. So this girl paid, she rented the car for three days. And um, on the third day, she was due back at 2.30. Like one o'clock, we tracked the car and it was still in California. So we sent her a message and she's like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry, I'll extend it, charge my card. Well, her card got declined. So she's like, well, I'm on my way back right now. I'll just pay you guys cash. I can't put it in the account. Just an excuse after an excuse after an excuse. Oh, no. So like the fourth day happened and the car is still in the exact same spot. It's right next to Dodger Stadium. Like it's, it hasn't moved in, it hasn't actually moved in three days. So on the second day she was in California, it was still there. So now it's the fifth day and she doesn't answer us anymore. We call, we do this, we do that. So I said, okay guys, I had a location in Orange County. I mailed the key there and they went up to go get the car. Yeah. So they go to this guy's house or this, this house where the car is at. And uh, the car's in the driveway. They just turn the car on. They back it out. They get in the street. And as this is happening, some older gentleman comes out, starts screaming and yelling, where are you taking my son's car? And my renter's like, well, he rented it. He's like, no, he bought this car. And my one of my employees is like, I'm sorry. You just were confused. It's just a rental. He didn't bring it back. We're going to take it now. He calls the police. And it turns out that the son was actually a police officer. And he purchased this car on OfferUp. He purchased my Hellcat on OfferUp. Now, there's a little bit more to this story, in my opinion, because why would a police officer give 30% less value? The car was 30% less value on OfferUp in cash and think it's a legitimate transaction. But how did he – he didn't get a title. He did. They made a title for this car. So they had someone at the DMV – make a title legitimate california title but the title number was wrong there was a it was a manufactured title number yeah and the vin number was one digit off and then the year was also wrong so like the title wasn't like legit and like if you check the title on the thing it was wrong like it was the car was a 2017 title said 16 it was really weird yeah and like the title looked perfect but you had to like look into it so these police officers come and they're like going crazy. They didn't know what to believe. And so I'm in Las Vegas at the time and I'm like, 
why didn't I go to this one? You know, this was a huge video, right? We were filming the whole thing. And it turns out this woman sold this car to this guy. I think that guy was in on it because I don't see who in the right mind pays 30% less in cash as a officer of the law for a car and doesn't drive it. He, the act, the place where they said that they bought it, it drove from there to his house, stayed there three days. If you buy a brand new Hellcat, Aren't you going to every one of your moms and friends and everybody you know's house yeah. and showing but off and doing burnouts? What just keeping it there and not driving it? It was at his house. I feel like he was he was the one, in my opinion, that created the title and hadn't sold it yet. That's where I'm at because he was too calm about losing X amount of dollars and it was a large amount of money. Like, why would he oh, be I cool? See. He said he paid cash, but okay. There was no Got record. It. Got it. And I'm like, okay, so I'm selling you. If I buy a brand new Lamborghini, I'm going to drive that thing every second of the day. I'm going to go to work and back and here and there in the gas station. I'm just going to go to the 7-Eleven just to get gas, and I don't need it. Could you, you know? ask for a bank statement or something? It's just like, oh, I want to see that you I mean, drew that, that we, cash. Like, I mean, why does anyway, a yeah. police officer have X amount of dollars in cash? Yeah. I mean, a Hellcat's worth 60000 You can pretty much do the math, right? 30% less of that is what the alleged amount was. I mean, it's a little fishy. Sure. So they impound this car because I refused to report the car stolen. And the reason I refused to do that was because if I report the car stolen, I'm gonna have to get my insurance involved. They're gonna have to do an investigation. I'm gonna have to file a claim, right? We go back to that insurance thing that I was talking about. And it's gonna be a huge mess and they're gonna impound the car. And then it's gonna say stolen recovery on Carfax, which is gonna devalue the car even more. And the people who rented it didn't have legitimate insurance, likely, right? Weren't a legitimate person, right? So we didn't find this out till after, but of course, all of the documents they gave us were fake, right? And so all of these things happen, and the police take our car. So they threaten me and say, if you don't report this stolen to protect our officer, that's what he said, we're gonna impound it. They took the car for three months. Mm. They didn't call me, they ghosted me. Every single day, I'd call him and call him and call him. And then after like three months, they were like, hey, we called you three months ago to pick up this car. Come get it. And they made the release stamp the day after they picked it up. Wow. Just so that I had no right to sue the department for wrongful and everything, all that sure. stuff. They were very calculated. It was a really weird situation. It was the weirdest thing that's ever happened in my company, period. Wow. So Why not just, can't you self-insure? I it's want a million to. dollars a year. Can't I want just, to. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the necessary next step. Yeah. At $400,000 a year, maybe it wasn't the right thing. But now it, it seems like the only logical thing to do. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm going to have to do that this year, I think. Or we just translate our business into something else, right? Yeah. I mean, with YouTube, I thought about becoming a full-fledged car dealership. We're mm-hmm. licensed to do that, right? I mean, if we just do rentals on the side, right, then maybe it's not that big of a deal, right? We don't have to have all of our eggs in one basket, you know? If we just sell cars, rent them a little bit here and there, and make the main focus something else, the insurance liability will go down dramatically, right? But self-insuring is probably the only answer. How has the appreciation of, like, the used car market affected you with such high inventory and just the overall cost of cars uh, increasing lately? I mean, that's the best thing that's happened, because I had all these cars, you know, 50 plus cars mm. before the appreciation happened. So like the entire year of 2020, most of 21, I didn't take any depreciation. 
so what's your thought about the value of the used car market? Is it getting too crazy right now? Uh, just to put this into perspective, yeah. Um, I'll give you a real life example. My sister-in-law leased a 2000, whatever, 18 or 19 Chevy Equinox. And uh, the lease came up in December of 2021. And like earlier in July, August, she wanted to trade it in and get a new car because she was already over it, right? She took it to CarMax and her lease payoff was around $17,000. And they offered her $15,200 for the car. So she didn't have the money at the time to, to pay off the difference and trade it in. She didn't really want a negative equity. So she said, okay, I'll just wait till December, pay my payments, and then I'll turn the lease in, no problem. So November comes around, this is only what, three months ago, and I told her, just take it back to CarMax, see what they say. They reevaluated the same car with 1,000 more miles on it and five or six months older mm -hmm. for $23,000. Wow. The car depreciated $8,000. The car brand new in 2019 mm -hmm. was less money than $23,000. Yeah. So a used car that is two and a half, three years old at this point is worth more than it was new in 2019. Trade in. Yeah. That means they're going to take the car for $23,000. they are going to spend about $1,000 reconditioning it, and they're going to list it for twenty nine nine. That car was $22,500 new, and now it's twenty nine nine used with about 18,000 miles on it at the time. Does that seem logical? <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy, but that's that's true for Teslas. It's true for any car. Well. Yeah. So, just think of this narrative. Yeah. At what point does the ball drop? So my sister in law goes and buys a new car, right? There's new inventory sitting mm -hmm. all across the country waiting for these chips that we're all waiting for, right? The world's waiting for chips. Chip shortage is real. Mm -hmm. There's hundreds of thousands of cars across the country sitting in storage lots and ports and here and there waiting to be sold. So the guy that buys the 2019 car for $29.9 plus sales tax plus fees is in the car for $34,000. What happens when the 2023 version comes out and the MSRP is still 22500 right? Because eventually there's going to be enough of those cars, right? for us to be able to buy them at a normal price again because the dealer can't sell everything for $10,000 over sticker forever. Manufacturers are gonna make 100,000 a month. There's not gonna be enough people mm. to trade in the 2019 that they're upside down now. Consider the value is truly 15,250 only eight months earlier, yeah. right? Six months earlier. So he's in it for 34,000, he now, legitimately bought this car for almost $20,000 more than it was truly worth six months before. Now, when you take that on a scale of a car like a Ford GT or a Mercy Lago or some huge number, and you add 10, 12, 20%, the absorption rate is easier. Mm. But if you take it and you say 110% markup on a used car, the ball's gotta drop, right? Because that person that wants a new car in 2024 cannot get any, how could they get out of that car? Yeah, They're upside down 100% in value, right? And that's if they have a three or 4% interest rate and they've paid it down some. Imagine if they have a 12, 15% interest rate, the car's gonna cost them $50,000, right? So like the used car market is gonna 
destroy America's finances eventually. When is that going to happen? I mean, the chip shortage, like we have to follow what's happening with COVID because COVID in America is a little bit less than COVID is other, in other countries, right? Like the Asian countries are a little more strict. European countries are a little more strict. So they're like blocking the manufacturing plants from working, right? I mean, here we kind of like go to work and do our daily thing. We wear a mask and, you know, we appreciate the news every night. But at the end of the day, like life's kind of normal in America. Yeah. Right. Like no one's like scared to go to work, I think, at this point. But like in, you know, China, I heard and read that they have a lockdown where you're only allowed to leave every two days from your house to go shopping. Mm. So like if all those chips and all those things are coming from those regions, when does it end? Right. I think this is going to probably persist through this year and probably the beginning of next year. But there's only so many people that can buy a new car. And when this value started to go crazy was because so many people got out of lockdown and was like, I'm buying my dream car or I'm spending all of my money, right? Like I don't want to sit here anymore. So how do you determine when it ends? Probably ends like in a year. I mean, it can't go farther than that because they're, the dealerships have to sell cars, right? And the banks have to give loans and the salesmen have to sell cars and then they have to service them. So like there's a huge circle that we have to feed, you know? So eventually right. you're not going to be able to trade in your car and get a new one. Where no. do you invest your money? Right now I'm investing in land. Land is the only thing that I can see putting my money into. They don't make more land. It's just, they have enough, right? In Vegas? Anywhere. The land is just finite. Mm -hmm. So, um, I do have land in the sandbox, which is great. There we go. Okay. <laughs> just, just in case sure. metaverse land is worth way more than real land one day, right. I'll have one. <laughs> I'm curious if it will be. We'll see. Yeah. But, okay. uh, I have a board ape. Okay. So I'm a partner cool. uh, with Steve Aoki and a board ape, which is cool. Um, kind of gambling in the NFT market a little bit mm -hmm. because I don't understand it and things that I don't understand. I kind of want to participate because I feel like there's a lot way smarter people out there making sure. the, making the rules, but land cars. I have, probably 50% of my investments in because I know them very well, right? That's the one thing that I think I'm the best at. Okay. But how land? about this? For the viewers watching, if you have one car that you could buy that you think is undervalued today, that you think five years from now is going to be worth more, what would that car be? Is there a price point that I can set up? Just give, give any, any car. Gosh, this is a tough one. The older Acura NSX mm -hmm. is undervalued. Okay. That's like a sub $100,000 car, and I think those are going to be mid-150s. Mid I think there's a 50% appreciation in that. The gated Gallardos oh. are like $125,000 right now. I think those are $250,000 cars, right? Your car, Ford GT 0506, are like high threes, mm -hmm. mid-fours. Those are $600,000, $700,000 cars for sure. Mm -hmm. Just like a Carrera GT, there's yeah. about the same number, production numbers in that. And the CGTs went from seven hundred dollars to $2 million overnight. Um, in the big hypercars, the Koenigsegg CCX, the one I took you into, that's a $5 million car. And those, they're very rare, but they're between one and a half to $2.5 million. So that's a double. LFA, I think, reached its pinnacle. I mm -hmm. think the car is a million-dollar car, nothing more, Right. There's so many unique cars like the Mercy Lago that haven't sold LPs, haven't sold at auction yet, that we don't really know where they're going to go. I bought a 2010 Mercy Lago SV, which is a hard, there's less than 100 in America. There's no real finite number of that. 
I think that's a $1.5 million car because there's only like 30 or 40 of them, right? And it was the final edition V12 that made the biggest impact. Yeah. I paid seven fifty, right? So for me to pay seven fifty, I kind of feel like there's a minimum fifty percent appreciation in that car within twelve months. What about for Jack? Jack wants to impress a girl. Mazda Miata. That's the next car. I, I want. think I want it I so think. badly, but they're so expensive. They're now. like probably twenty grand now, huh? I was looking at Mazdas. I don't even know. Maybe like a, two years ago, because my friend five bought five thousand bucks. I bet. Yeah, yeah. and they, no, they were like thirty five hundred. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, my friend bought one for six hundred dollars. And there was just one stuck lifter, $40 to fix it. And then it ran perfectly. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a cool car. Yeah. So I, for you, honestly, I, I know he can, uh, relate Lotus Exige. I think that's the, expensive, man. No, no, they're 40 I love, grand. I love $40,000 car no, more now there. Cause I, there's a, there's a tad, there's a few of them that are 60. 2010, 2012, they're a little bit more. But if you get a 2006 low Exige, you're like I think low 40s. It's hard to find it. I have 50s now. Oh. I was looking. I was looking. If, if the right one came up, I would do it. It's the best it. car yeah. I've owned in my life. At the When I was 22, I bought my first Lotus. I bought an 07 Exige S for $21,000 from CarMax. They had a little CarMax auction. Wow. And I bought that car. It was the greatest experience you could ever imagine. It's a Miata. In every respect, but it looks like a supercar. Well, it is a supercar. I would say a Lotus Elise. It's easier to how drive. Much, how you much can take the though? top like off. 40? Right now, about forty. Yeah, I've yeah, seen Lotus just, Elises. Like yeah. I sold one for sixteen thousand bucks one time. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was crazy. I feel like the Lotuses right now are artificially inflated a little bit. That's mm-hmm. a very unique car, and it has a very young demographic that likes it. And so, right now with crypto. The young kids have a lot of money, so there's a lot more inflation in that car. But those cars typically sit at the thirty to forty range, and that's like the best deal. I don't know if that's good for no. For I mean, women if I'm gonna now. if I'm gonna spend thirty to forty, I'll buy a Tesla Model yeah. Three. Because you know I'm what? Sorry. The thing is, <sighs> I, I I saw that. I saw that. The corners of your mouth flickered <laughs> down real quick. I just I I don't know. Like I can't get behind this. I have a Plaid. I mean, my, that's what my wife drives. She traded her Urus for a Plaid. She's mm. she's crazy to me. I just can't relate to her. I don't know why. The reason why I am now very gung-ho on getting an electric car is because I was reconciling all of my accounts for like last year, figured out how much I spent in gas mm-hmm. alone. $4,600 Yeah, but imagine year. how much you're spending in electricity. I don't, so I don't think it's going to be that it's, big of a Now difference. that supercharging yeah. is costing people money. Yeah, true. I don't think there's that much of a difference no. anymore. Oh gosh, supercharging is expensive. It's like I had so many free dollars. miles, but yeah, yeah, but gas is like seventy. Yeah, imagine you're you're spending sixty percent on electricity versus a hundred, you know, hundred percent on sure, all right. gas. It's not that much less. I can't get my head around driving an electric car as my only car, right? Like I could have. I wish that like. Rolls Royces and like really nice sedans were electric because they'd be way better, right? But like as my only car, you end up with no soul. I mean, you you just, if you're a car guy, that's a real problem. Yeah. You could beat every car, it's super fast. But I mean, at the end of the day, like it doesn't give you that emotion. And that's the issue I have with these electric cars. The Porsche take on Turbo S, I owned one for a very short time. It got someone T-boned me, unfortunately. And I, I didn't replace it with another one, but that car had some weird futuristic sounds it would make. And it really tried to put a Porsche back into an electric car. And I think they did the best job at it. So the Model 3, it's like 60 grand, right? 70 grand? Model 3 is now, 
it used to be 35, oh but gosh. now it's like yeah. 47 or something. Yeah, that's it's what gone I was saying. Up so now so much. You, you could buy a new one for less, but you have to wait about a year. Yeah. They're so backed up. Yeah, or you could buy a used one and pay a grand 10, more. Oh, it jumped yeah, like 10, 30%, 25%. It's, See, I've it's never absurd. driven a Model 3, yeah. and that, that short wheelbase may be a little bit more sporty, and it maybe have a little bit more oomph, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, I have a brand new Plaid, like the, the 22 or whatever, and I can't handle the yoke wheel. I think it's terrible. I just ordered a, a regular wheel, and I'm putting it on there myself. Um, but it's too fast. And I, I think that's like a scary thing. Like when you really push that car, it makes you sick. Oh, like it's too it. fast. I love it. Do, do you have a which, uh, Tesla do you have? Model 3. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you like it? I do. I love it. I mean, what's good about it? Everything. Like, But what? Uh, self-driving is incredible. Okay, sure. I love the quietness of the interior. I love the big iPad in front. Uh, it's it's the, the, smooth. The, it's smooth. It's quick. It's uh, you know you press the accelerator, it goes instantly. It's quiet. I love the car and the storage in the car too is incredible. Yeah, I mean you say all valid points. Yeah, I can't disagree with those things. I just I don't know. I just I just can't be a fan yet. Got it. So you you vouch for the Lotus because Graham has a Lotus that I actually wanted to buy off of cool. Graham. I'm not gonna sell it. Best best I, I car know, ever. No, you're yeah. not gonna sell it. Yeah, it's a Lotus Evora. Oh, you have an Evora. Yeah. Evoras are great. Yeah, Evoras are V6, right? So they're like a little bit. They don't. They sound cool, but I like the four cylinder sound. It sounded nice. It was more analog. Yeah. The Evora is a good car. I mean, I don't know how, how much are Evoras now. 60, 70? Uh, yeah. He doesn't drive it though. He's got the four GT. I feel He's like got Graham the walks Evora. everywhere. Apparently, he hasn't <laughs> driven a four no, GT. He, has, he, he doesn't has drive a anywhere. Two thousand six Volvo S sixty. I drive that the most. Often. And he drives all the time. <laughs> It's my favorite car. Graham, Graham we're like you almost should sell Jack uh, the Lotus, and then Jack can sell me his Lexus. No, I'm never gonna. Sell, I'm not gonna sell the Lotus. I feel like Graham and I like could go to a boxing match, and all yeah. we had to do was like talk cars that we drive, and it would make me so mad. I would be like okay with it. You know, <laughs> like it's like people. People it's, say I have a punchable face. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. I mean, you have cars that people dream yeah, to even sit in. I'm a collector. I, I've I not like seen him drive the Lotus once. I have Pokemon cards yeah. that I used to use, right? No, I mean, no, 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 no. I'm down to like throw down and play the Pokemon cards at this point. You know, no. I mean, I haven't done it since I was 12 or 13. I still have all those cards, but like, I feel like we shouldn't lock them in a box no. somewhere and I, just to sit me, it's them. It's a work of art. You look at it, <sighs> you put it there. You look know. At I it disagree. How often do you go look at your uncut sheet of Pokemon cards? Every time I go to the bathroom, <laughs> glance or do you glance. sit there and appreciate it? Oh, I, it's the same thing. <laughs> look at this thing for I, I see it every time I go and go to the bathroom. I see it on the wall. What am I supposed to do? Cut, cut that, cut it up and play the game? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying no. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's take some scissors to that. I don't know. I like, I like the perspective of like you utilize the things that you have. I think there's you a don't balance. Hoard stuff, right? I yeah. think there's a balance. You know, I don't know. There's no right answer to this because everybody has a different value of what they spend their money on, right? I mean, I could spend unbelievable amounts of money on guns. I love guns, right? But I never use them. I never use my guns, right? I just love collecting guns. I don't really think I should go use my guns, right? I think that's kind of like a weird thing. I mean, shooting range every once in a while, go practice. But you can only take one or two or three. I have like 400 guns. You know, so I can relate to collecting 
because it looks really cool in my wall. This huge room, it's all oh, guns. Yeah. Right? Keeps the intruders away. Yeah, I guess. But they're they're literally not like they're specialty things. Yeah, like sure. some are gold and they're all crazy colors and yeah. it's good. I don't really want to go out and just shoot in my backyard all day, right? But like with the cars, you can kind of like drive them in your normal daily routine, right? I can't just take a gun with me to work, right? I mean, I guess I could legally, but yeah. it's not really fitting. But like with, I could drive my Lexus LFA to work and I can have a great drive on the freeway, 13 minutes of bliss, seven miles on the freeway and just go and have great time, you know? And I think there's a balance of that, right? Collecting and, and using. But at some point, you're going to have to realize we spent money on this and like it wasn't worth it. Money sitting in the bank probably isn't that fun either, right? It's I mean, can fun. we agree? It's pretty fun. You know? I mean, if we just have it in the <laughs> bank, we're just losing money to inflation, aren't we? Eh, there, there's yes, but there is also the opportunity of you know if a good deal comes up that you're able to jump on it. Yeah, I think that's Graham's trigger. I, I think wasting money is Graham's trigger. Yeah, yes, for sure. <laughs> I like just looking, appreciating, and uh, and that's it. Forgot. Jack, let me give you the only sensible advice in this room. Let's hear it. Don't buy another car. That's there you go. Yeah. These 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 guys right here, they're out of their mind for telling you to buy a car. That's all I'm going to say. Stay, just keep your Lexus, man. Keep I'm not Lexus. wasteful. Like, I'm very... I, I waste my money a little bit, but it's on very... Sm, it's, like, small relative what to... What is your vice? What I could be. Food. Like, okay. I, I, get, I go out for food a lot. Like, That's I'll get good. burritos, tacos, Amazing. burgers, <laughs> pizza. You're, you're, <laughs> you're talking <laughs> my language. For a diet yeah, out there. So, you're talking my language. Yeah, but burgers. it's not like it's a, a lot of money, right? So I know that on occasion I can splurge if I if I so please. So I do want to get another car at some point. I think them. you should buy a very exciting car to use to go on all of the food adventures. Oh my and it adds to that experience. So oh every time gosh. you go to some new food place, drive your really cool car. Mazda, Mazda Miata would, would make it. Top down. It's yes. 60 degrees outside yep. or 50 degrees. Heater I, on. Windows up. Oh, gosh. Play some, I don't know. Crazy train. Yeah, something. Awesome. Red Hot there you go. Yeah. Red Hot Chili yeah. yeah. Play something nice and just jam on the freeway and oh get God. a good burger. That'll be the greatest experience that you can get. I agree. I mean, that's pretty much what we live for. Yeah. Is those moments. And you have long hair. It'll be like blowing. Oh, I'm gonna hands. grow it out if I get a Miata. So just, <laughs> It'll just be like all yeah. over the place. Yeah. All right. I think uh, I think that's enough, Jack. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else that you want to throw in? That's a great yeah. thing to end this video on. That yeah. that, that visual. emotional visual moment. Thank you so much for coming on, Houston. <laughs> I really appreciate for opening up it, yeah. my third eye. There I appreciate it. Yes. Thanks, Graham. Yeah, and thank you guys for watching. Make sure, by the way, we'll link to your channel down below in the description. Make sure to like the video and Get your free stock down below in the description. You may as well. It's worth all the way up to it. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And subscribe. Well, thanks for coming on. That thank was you, awesome, man. man. Was and nice meeting you, too.